0: And welcome to the ArborPod, Detective Denjo series. Today's guest is Jim Zwack, in the case of the Quercus Conundrum. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arbor Culture.
1: It was a hot and sunny July day, and I'd have given anything for a wisp of cold. I wish it were January, I grumbled to code it, my faithful and trusty assistant. Then why do you wish it was July every January? Don't confuse me with my own words, coded, I retorted. Would you kindly pass me some more batteries for my handheld fan? A ringing phone interrupted our scintillating conversation. I picked it up. It was a woman looking for a professional opinion about the trees on her property. She identified herself as Lena Olison and said she'd heard I was the man for the job. Quicker than two frogs on a hot rock, we leapt into action. We were soon speeding north to a development called Magnificent Oaks. By the sight of the towering trees, it was no wonder why the developers put in 350 new homes five years ago. We knew we had the right spot when we saw the Magnificent Oaks sign and its unmistakable sentries. A pair of three-inch caliper green ashes, Fraxinus pennsylvanica, rigidly staked to the ground, complete with a pile of volcano mulch at the base of each. The directions say to take a left onto Oak Place, a quick right onto Oak Drive, and then a left onto Oak Street. Right, I replied with a smile. When we reached the house we sought, we found the troubled homeowner raking leaves in the backyard under the sorriest-looking magnificent oak we had ever seen, an odd occurrence in July. Good afternoon, ma'am, I called out. What seems to be the matter?
0: Oh, thank goodness you're here, Detective Denjo. I was hoping you could tell me. We've got a heck of a problem here. And please, call me Lena. Are my trees going to die? I just can't stand the thought of it. After all, these trees were a big reason why my husband Ole and I bought the place.
1: Sensing a panic attack brewing, I quickly assured her, We'll do everything we can, ma'am. We'll get down to work and let you know what's going on shortly. Excusing ourselves, we got to work, taking note of the symptoms and signs and investigating the entire site. There were two red oaks, Quercus rubra, in the backyard. Both were surrounded by a carpet of green lawn that extended all the way to their trunks. It appeared that these trees were once part of the wooded green space that separated Lena's property from the Swenson's property to the rear. The property to the west, owned by the Johnsons, contained what once was a grand old red oak tree that now was a silent victim of the malady that Coded and I were charged with deciphering. There was also a large pile of firewood on the back of that property and a stump with a rather fresh appearance. Lena's shedding tree was about 25 feet from where the Johnson's dead tree once stood and was now teetering on the brink of death. The upper canopy was uniformly brown and the lower half appeared to be fading in color. Some of the leaves Lena was raking were completely brown, while others only had brown margins with a distinct line between living and dead tissue. In contrast, Lena's tree on the east edge of the property near the Nelsons' place looked good with a full canopy and healthy color. The Nelsons didn't urgently need our services for their large oak trees. Okay, Codit, tell me what you see. I see trees suffering from drought stress. She should water her trees more often so they don't look so terrible. Codit, this heat might be scrambling your brain. Shouldn't we take a more process-oriented approach before we leap to conclusions? Okay, okay, let's look for some clues in the woodpile next door. All right, let's go then. I pulled out my magnifying glass and began carefully examining some of the firewood. Codit, looking over at me for guidance, did likewise, although he wasn't sure what he was looking for. His idea to look at the woodpile appeared to be a hopeful shot at getting me off his back with my persistent pedagogical questions. With my nose and magnifying glass virtually stuck to the piece of firewood, I calmly declared, I wish you would have the common courtesy to offer me a piece of the gum you are chewing. What are you talking about? I'm not chewing gum. Then why do I smell juicy fruit? I asked in reply. Taking a few twig samples from the wilting branches on Lena's tree, we examined them for other clues. Codit peeled back the outer bark and noticed a brownish streaking in the sapwood of some of the samples. Nothing else appeared unusual except for the leaves. Lena said they began looking sick a couple weeks earlier. She had noticed the leaves on the ground and had begun to wonder whether her tree might soon end up dead like the Johnson's trees, which both rapidly died last year. Wilting and dropping leaves, sapwood streaking, and the occasional but unmistakable scent of juicy fruit gum emanating from some of the firewood. I knew what the problem was. (laughs) ¶¶ Before we talk to Lena, I said to Coda, tell me what you think is going on. Processing the clues, Coda began working the problem aloud. Oak anthracnose? Hmm, an interesting proposition. But does anthracnose typically kill trees? And would you expect to see anthracnose getting worse during the heat of the summer? Isn't that more of a spring problem? Try again. Construction damage? After all, this is a pretty new development, and I bet they had a lot of machinery running around to get these lawns nice and flat. And we know that this type of damage can take several years to show up. A good guess, I replied, but wouldn't you expect to see damage on more of the trees around here? After all, the Nelson's property next door was built at the same time. The trees are the same size as Lena's, and they're as close to the neighbor's house as Lena's tree is to hers. Their trees look fine. I'm sure there are some health issues related to construction damage, but that's not what killed the trees next door. And that's not what is killing Lena's tree. The two-lined chestnut borer causes leaves to wilt, Coded continued. Yes, but would it typically cause such uniform damage throughout the top of the tree? Wouldn't the leaves tend to stay attached? Wouldn't there be evidence of this pest in the twig samples we looked at? Uh, no, yes, and yes came Coded's tentative reply. Beads of perspiration formed on his forehead. No one could be sure whether it was from the heat of the sun or the heat of my intense questioning. Coming to the rescue of my wilting friend and accomplice, I offered, this problem isn't always easy, Coded, but I think I've got it. Let's talk to Lena about the diagnosis and prescription. And so began our conversation with the concerned homeowner. Lena, your tree has oak wilt, Ceratocystis fagacearum. And if you don't act quickly, your healthy-looking tree may soon begin to show symptoms. This is a disease caused by a fungus. Your tree probably became infected by your neighbor's tree. You'll notice there is a pattern to this disease. Your neighbors cut down the first infected tree, and that tree infected the one that is standing over there dead, and now yours is sick too.
0: Can this one that's shedding be saved?
1: I'm sorry, ma'am, I answered. Your tree is a red oak, and when it shows symptoms like this, it can't be saved. You'll be better off trying to protect your other oak tree.
0: How can we do that?
1: Your sick tree and your healthy tree are connected to each other underground by root grafts. These form between trees of the same species growing close to each other, and they provide a way for this disease to travel between them. These root grafts need to be broken by cutting them with a trencher or vibratory plow, I explained. Then your healthy tree can be treated with a fungicide to protect it in case the disease is already in the root system. Recent research tells us that the tree should be retreated the year after next because the disease can persist in the root system for several years.
0: But won't that trenching hurt my grass?
1: Yes ma'am, it will, I sighed and continued. After your healthy tree is treated the first time with fungicide, you need to take down the sick tree because insects can spread the disease as well. We recommend chipping this wood after removal.
0: Chipping the wood? Wait just a minute. I would at least like to use the wood for my fireplace instead of having to buy firewood each winter from those darn Johnsons. They charge an arm and a leg.
1: Ah, yes. In that case, you will want to keep the firewood covered with plastic for one full season to kill the fungus and trap any insects that can carry the fungus. Don't have it pruned or wounded in any way between May and August to avoid airborne infection. We'll check the soil for you as part of our diagnosis, and if appropriate, we may recommend aeration inoculation, and fertilization based on that test. The tree should be monitored every June and receive the best of care. A few good arboricultural practices for mature tree maintenance will also be helpful. For example, I recommend removing the turf from the trunk at least halfway out to the branch tips and replacing it with hardwood mulch. For more tree care information and to find a certified arborist in your area, you can visit treesaregood.org. Here, I have the information on my card, I said as I handed her my business card. After politely turning down Lena's kind offer of a tater tot hot dish, much to Codet's dismay, we headed for home. In the cool confines of the air-conditioned truck cab, Codet pondered the analysis and wondered, Dendro, what was that question about the juicy fruit gum? Was that heat stroke setting in out there? Ah, I replied, I wondered whether you'd caught the reference. Fungi can produce spore mats in red oak under the bark. And the word on the street is that they smell like juicy fruit gum. You don't say. I wonder if that's how they taste. You'll find out next time, I replied with a smile and a wink.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ArborPod Detective Dendro series. You can earn CEUs for this podcast. Just use the code DD8792 to complete the quiz. Stay tuned for the next ones. This podcast is provided by the International Society of Arboriculture.